In a world where it seems totally normal to listen to a podcast about the Toronto Argonauts, it's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos podcast brought to you by Funny Bone Broth. My name is Ben Grant, joined as always by JB, and this is the post-CFL draft spectacular episode where JB and I are going to go through every single one of the Argos picks. We'll really focus on those first few rounds because that's really how you gauge most CFL drafts. But of course, we will talk about all nine selections the Argos made throughout eight rounds of the 2022 CFL draft. JB, this did not go as expected. It was much easier to predict, I think, than last year. Like, I didn't feel like it was all over the place like last year where we had guys that projected in the fourth and fifth round going in the first round and vice versa. This went pretty much the way I thought it would, but not necessarily in the exact order. That first round was intense. Uh, yeah, first round was really unpredictable. Um, a surprising number of trades for, I mean, I, I didn't think the talent level was high enough to really demand all those trades. Um but I love it. Like, look, I think I think the first round broke really well for the Argonauts. So I'm I'm happy that all those teams wanted to trade with each other. Extremely well for the Argonauts. I think the first two rounds, and I was I was really nervous about it as it was coming together. And like you said, I think there was, you know, it's sort of hard to gauge what teams were thinking. You had two teams that didn't have a first round pick, but then you've got Edmonton and. Montreal with two first round picks. Uh, Montreal, of course, picking first as well. So the first the first pick overall, uh, Terrell Richards, everyone knew that was going to happen. And then Ottawa started the chaos by uh, drafting Zach Pelios, who I really like, but I wasn't expecting him to go there. And so you had a couple guys that everyone thought for sure were going in the top four or five that were still on the board as the Argos pick where it was coming up. So you had Deontay Knight, a uh, defensive lineman, and... I was screaming at that point, like, we got to take, you got to draft Deontay Knight at six, because I didn't think there was any way he was going to be there at six. And you also had the possibility that uh, Tyson Philpott uh, would get drafted because he was still there. And I didn't think he was going to make it to the Argos at six. Um, So, yeah, the Argos could have gone anywhere there. BC surprised me by taking another guy that we both like, Nathan Cherry. We talked about him, again, not in the first round. We were talking about him as as a potential second round pick. Uh, Enoch McConzo, Edmonton took, which which made sense. But yeah, there the Argos were at six. You weren't so sure about Deontay Knight at six. I felt it had to happen. They end up taking Gregor McKellar. Uh, what, what were you thinking at that pick? Uh... I um I was I, I I was up for an offensive lineman as you know as I said before you know I thought that uh, that that's probably where I would have gone um you know so I was I was happy with the pick I was surprised it was my no my fellow uh, Nova Scotian um I kind of joked about the CFL Atlantic stuff um but I liked him you know I thought that he had real edge. Um, and certainly that's something teams are always looking for. He's, he's got decent measurables. Um, his film is not overwhelming. His film's okay. Um, you know, he looks, he, he doesn't look like on the film, like he's going to start this year. Um, but 
you know, I, I mean, I was surprised. I was surprised. I had the, I had them taking him, um, but with their um, their first pick in the second round potentially. So it, it was a little bit early for me, uh, but I can, I can get behind him. Yeah, I felt the same way. I, I, he was my number one graded run blocker, but I wasn't so sure about him in pass protection. Now, to be fair, he's playing left tackle uh, at St. FX, and he's not going to be a left tackle in the CFL. They're going to move him inside. I'm, I'm almost sure. I think he's going to be a guard. So he's 6'3", 322. Uh, the, the thing that you notice about Vince Magri and the scouting stuff, like they love guys that are mean you look at you know Bladek and Nicastro and Blake like those guys those guys on the on the field are just so nasty they're not guys you want to line up against and McKellar is the same thing I was just looking through my notes when I first started looking at his film uh, way back when the very first thing I wrote was so mean period yeah. <laughs> which, yeah. which it just comes off right away like he in every play it's like he knocks a guy down to his knees then takes a few steps back so that he can run into him and plow him into the ground and then you know elbow him in the neck or something uh i i love that you know a guy that nobody wants to go up against is a guy that you want on your team he's a decent athlete um his, his feet probably aren't fast enough to play tackle like i said but man he's powerful 24 bench reps uh, you know he's he's smart too. You watch you know some of the blitzes that that AUS teams threw at him. He's great at picking up twists, good at communicating. So you know I I have a lot of faith in in the Argos in terms of drafting offensive linemen. I like the guys they've got on their team, and so it, he's someone that I I don't know. Like you say, I I can't tell. I, I want to see him. You know, I'd like to see him in that guard spot in training camp, and that's going to give us a really good indication because you think about that left guard spot. We've got. Philip Blake, who's turning 37 this year, and you just you know wonder how long it's going to be for Philip Blake. And here's somebody that can slide in as a left guard. He's meant to be a left guard. That's that's really his ideal position. So yeah, that's I think that's probably what they're thinking. By the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised to see McKellar as the Argos left guard. I don't think it's going to be right away though. If it is, I think that's putting a lot on him, especially with Nicastro still pretty young, still pretty new, um, you know, next to him at center. So I, I don't think that's the plan. I think, you know, I don't think, I don't think the plan is to release Philip Blake and, you know, here's your left guard starter, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that by the end of the season. He had sort of an interesting path. Like he, you say he's a, he is a, an East Coast guy, but he went to St. Andrews College in Ontario and was thought to be the best offensive line prospect coming out of high school. He was on that Team Canada under 18 team, ended up getting a D1 scholarship to Rice, um, uh, NCAA scholarship to Rice in, in Houston. He came back to Canada, uh, ended up at, at FX. He is a little older. Uh, he's turning 25 this year, but that's that's not new for the Argos. Like Churchill was drafted a couple of years ago, uh, turning 26 in his, in his draft year. So that's not... It's not something that scares them off like it does with uh, other teams. And me too. I don't, I don't really like typically drafting guys that are 24 or older. But um, you and I have discussed this before. It's probably more of my own hang-up than anything else. There's really not a ton of data to support me. My view on it is just that the, the sort of peak they, they have, that sort of jump that they have in productivity usually happens in that, in that you know, 22 23 range and so what you get at 24 is what you're going to get you don't usually see another jump 
Um, whereas drafting someone at 21, 22, you are still going to see that jump. But yeah, I think this is, I think it's a good pick. I, I'm going to end mean, up giving think, this, sorry, go on. I think in on. retrospect, it's an even better pick. Uh, I think it was an eye for me, it was an eyebrow raising pick, but the way uh, round two, three, and four fell, it looks great. I think if two, three, four fall differently, maybe it's a little more, it feels a little more like a reach. Um, but because the way the board fell, I think, you know, we talked about it basically like we got the people we wanted just in the wrong order. Yeah, because I would have <laughs> exactly. So the the main thing, the guy I absolutely wanted in this draft was Daniel Adebayo, and we did end up drafting him with the third pick uh, that the Argos had, second round pick, and he was a guy that I was considering at six because you just didn't want to miss. It was such a big thing because there was no other running back in this draft that was going to be able to get out there and contribute it, it, this season, but you know maybe ever as a ball carrier. And so it was so key to get him. So I, w- I would have been okay with the Argos taking him at six, but I was thinking, well, 10, we don't want to let him get past 10. Let's take him at 10 if if not. But yeah, I was I didn't know what to do with myself because with Deontay Knight on the board at six, I'm like, well, we got to take Deontay Knight. They draft McKellar, which I felt was a reach, but, and then at 10, um, you know, Deontay Knight's still sitting there at 10. Like, well, you know, you've got to take Deontay Knight, but now what about Adebayo? Now you may not be able to get him. So to get Knight at 10 and then Adebayo at, at 15, it was it was perfect. Like the Argos, the Argos must have been celebrated. There's probably champagne in you know in in the Argos yep. offices crushed, after I the mean, second round. Crushed it. Those, I mean, those three picks, I think, you know, are as 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 good as you could hope in terms of. Um, you know, maybe not the highest ceiling of anybody's draft class, but um, but certainly the uh, the best floor. Like I think that you look at those three, I think you're looking at three CFL players, and if you can draft three CFL players, uh, that that's great. My knock on McKellar, I guess, is that I I would have taken Noah Zare in that spot. If we're gonna go O lineman, uh, then I would have I would have taken Zare. Uh, it, 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 it's probably like we talked about, right? I mean, again, it's a conversation about, um, you know, like, 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 uh, you know, like um, with the Castro, it, you got to like weigh talent versus availability, you know? And I think they were like, well, it worked out last time. And like, okay, this guy has more talent. But there's, you know, a 20% chance we're never going to see him. And this guy, there's 100% we're going to see him. So, uh, you know, I, th- I think you probably run the numbers on that. And, it you know, it worked out well last year. So it doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that they went with that philosophy again. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And it, and it does make sense. Like McCullough is definitely going to be there in camp. And who knows how long it's going to take for, for Noah's heir to arrive. And that's why he was dropping. And I think that was why... Deontay Knight dropped as well. So just to wrap up with McKellar, I, I'm grading that as a, a B plus um, because, you know, I get this was obviously Toronto's number one lineman. This was obviously the number one uh, lineman on their board. And we know that because, uh, you know, Zach Pelios, the only other lineman drafted to that point. I can't see just looking at the type of player that that Gregor McKellar is and the type of player that Noah Zara is looking at those guys. I, I don't think 
if they're passing on Zare, they're drafting McKellar. Pelios is more in the mold of Zare. And so I have to believe that this was Toronto's number one offensive lineman. And he fits the mold. He's the kind of guy that the Argos like. We know that he, you know, and they did need more help in run blocking. And this is obviously going to be a point of emphasis this season. They've, they've talked about that. They brought in Andrew Harris. They draft a running back. Clearly the ground game has to be better. And McKellar is the answer in that instance. So while I would have still taken Zare, I totally get it. And ultimately he's their number one O-lineman. So that's a B plus from me. How do you see that grading? Um, yeah, I mean a lot of I mean look, it's great to be to be the greater with uh with the beauty of hindsight. Um you know, nobody took another offensive lineman in the first round. So would he have been available like it was a bit of a gamble. I'm going to give it a B as well. Um because I you know, I think that um I mean, I guess they they probably had four people they liked. And they were okay if those disappeared. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a B because we'll see. I mean, I love his toughness. Like you look at his tape, it, it's not, you know, it it it's it's not, um, you know, it doesn't knock you out. So we'll see. I'm I'm all for him. I'm all for him having a big role at CFL Atlantic. Um, I'll give it a B. Mike Hogan said the Argos staff had three players in particular that they were really hoping for at six i would not be surprised if those three players they were hoping for at six are mckellar deontay knight and daniel adaboboye wouldn't that be amazing if these are like the three guys you want in the draft um you know you're hoping one of them's still there at six and you get all three of them we'll see you know mike usually does a write-up and and that'll probably come out i I was i was shocked edmonton didn't take knight i know i can't imagine that they rolled the dice on that and thought and thought that Edmonton was going to pass on night for sure. They, they didn't take him twice. <laughs> they had two picks in the first no, round. No, I guess, right. I mean, I guess you could say, well, they passed on him once. So, yeah, well, it's I, interesting. I, I think, I think there, it's the thing about, you know, not knowing if he's going to be there. And that's the one risk with, with Deontay Knight. Now, the Argos posted a video of Coach Dinwiddie calling up Deontay Knight to let him know he was going to be drafted. Uh, by the Argos and just the way he was talking, the way they were both speaking, the language sounded like it's one of those, like, I'll see you soon sort of situations, but you never know. He's a really talented defensive lineman. He's got an invite to both Tampa Bay and Washington. We'll see how that works out. I think he probably ends up back here and it could be, you know, it could be as early as this spring. Maybe it's longer than that. Depends what he looks like down there. But you know, he's such an exciting prospect. He can play anywhere along the defensive line. Now, I think he can play outside. The The TSN guys seemed pretty determined that he could only be an inside guy. I know he's big. I know he's, you know, 6'3", 278. That's, that'd be a very big man to be on the outside, but he's really quick. I think, you know, it depends on, you know, situationally where you've got him. Uh, he's not a guy I would necessarily send flying around the edge, but he can play really disciplined defense and he has played every spot. They At Western, they line him up in a wide nine. They line him up, you know, right over the center. They line him up as a as a three tech, you know, when they sort of go multiple, you sometimes see him as, as, a, as a tackle in that, you know, three, four look and, you know, it, it's... It's a cool situation defensively because Coach Mace, who loves defensive line, like this is going to be his guy. This is this is his guy to work with. You can do anything with him, and so I think you can put him outside. And I think he could get on the field 
really quickly. I think he's just about ready to go. 10 sacks in 10 games this year. Uh, he had 13 tackles for a loss in those 10 games. He won the uh, the uh, most outstanding lineman award for you know best offensive lineman in in Canadian University football. His dad's got um, you know the the football gene going as well. His dad played at Virginia Tech. Uh, also had a two or three year CFL career. I think he played with the I want to say the Bombers and the Lions. So you know this is a guy that's going to stick around in the CFL if he gets here. So at you know at ten, what a, what a pick. Yeah, I I mean I like it. Um... I know when I looked at him pre-draft, um, one concern I had, which maybe other teams shared, is he's he's almost a tweener, um, you know. And so if you if you as an organization feel like he's inside and he's not outside, uh, you know, uh, the ten reps is not great. Um, you yeah, know, his, his bench press numbers are. It's are not poor. great because like like. Generally speaking, like reps are a measurement of commitment because you know you're being tested. Like you, you know, it's not like a surprise test. You know, there's going to be a test. You know, you're going to be evaluated on it. Um, you know, are you in the gym preparing for that test? Like tens, tens not great. Tens like natural. Like tens like you didn't work out for the combine and 10 is not not to harp on it but 10 is not enough for the middle it's it's a really weird number and i i would like to know what's going on with that because that's only two more reps than jalen philpot you know who's yeah you know, no, 190 that's, those, pound that's what i mean those are that's receiver. a wide receiver number you look at other d linemen 25 27 you know like d line should be you know Look, and I'm, you know, I'm just looking at the numbers. I don't know what the story is. I don't know if he was injured or he couldn't, he couldn't work out and, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm not saying anything. I don't want to cast any aspersions here. But, but if, if you're looking at why he dropped, to me, that, that's probably one of the reasons he dropped. Now, the numbers I do really like are running a 40 and, you know, just about five flat as a near 300 pounder is is awesome, uh, especially a 300 pounder who's 6'3", not 6'7", where it's, you know, a little bit different. Um, so I do like the speed and you see it in his game film, too, where he just, you know, flies off the line, you know, not to the same degree like we saw with. You know, when we looked at uh, at uh, Sam Achimpong, for example, when we watched his tape coming out of Laurier, he had a, a different level burst, and he was you know, he was more explosive than Knight coming off the line those first couple steps. Um, but Knight's got some different measurables that that Sam Achimpong didn't have, and you know, and Sam was never projected to go you know first round or, or top five um, in, in that draft because, you know, he didn't explode off the page the way that Deontay Knight does. But yeah, it is a weird thing. I don't know what the story is and, you know, I wouldn't mind finding that out, but you know, maybe that was a concern as well. Uh, but I, I think you look at his frame, he carries his weight fairly easily. I feel like he could add if he needed to, if he needed to bulk up and, you know, improve his strength. And we talk about the bench number being bad, but you watch his, his tape and, you don't see a lack of strength in his tape. Now, part of that might be because he's just, he's so much bigger than a lot of the guys he's hes going up against and he's coming in so explosively. There's sort of a matter of physics. But, you know, I just, I don't think, I think that's a very misleading number. I see him as a much stronger football player than is represented in that bench number. Because, you know, some guys also don't weight train traditionally. You know, we've, 
talked about like you know Adrian Belly for example you ask him how much he could bench he he never had any idea because that wasn't you know that wasn't the way that that wasn't the way that he worked out he did a lot of you know different style training and it wasn't just sort of strict bench squat clean um and uh you know deadlifts and stuff like that so you know who knows what his training regimen is like maybe he focused on his 40 and really wanted to get his time down but yeah I, we'll we'll find out i guess as as time goes on we'll get to ask these questions so how do you grade deontay knight at 10 mm, well i mean he, he's got you know he, he plays for western so that's obviously one of the top one of the top programs in the country um he, he, you know, was well recognized. His his film is 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 impressive. Uh, I think I would give it. Um, I give it a B. I, I I'm not going to give it more than a B because I want to know why Edmonton passed twice on him. <laughs> yeah, but that can't. Well, that can't I, I want to know. Yeah, for... it is my reason. I you know look, like why wouldn't <laughs> why doesn't Coach Jones want him? Well, I, I've the coach Jones does a lot of things I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, you have to like rearrange your world. That's my grade. Okay, well, I'm giving this pick an A plus. Uh, I don't think I, to get Deontay Knight at pick ten to get him at pick six, I would have given an A plus. To get him at ten, he's he was my second graded player in the draft for for the Argos. He was number two on my board. Uh, you know, after Richards, who we knew was going to go first overall. And so to get a player like that at 10, uh, that's you can't get better than that. All right, let's go to pick three. So this is mid-second round. And man, I was stressing as those last few picks came in. Fortunately, I didn't see any of the teams ahead of the Argos drafting a running back. It just didn't make as much sense for, for any of them at that stage. Where I was worried was when, uh, when Winnipeg came up. Pick 13, two picks ahead of the Argos. That's where I thought... You know, that's a team with that same philosophy. They've gone with the Canadian running back thing. Uh, I was worried about that. I wasn't worried about BC or Calgary. I didn't see them doing that. But once once Winnipeg picked uh, Terrell Ford, I breathed a sigh of relief. And then two picks later, the Argos picked Daniel Ababoye. So let's talk about him. The benefit to drafting a Canadian running back who can actually see playing time carrying the football and who can legitimately not just on paper, but legitimately be a backup for Andrew Harris as a Canadian is huge because you can make that spot a Canadian spot, freeing you up to play an American somewhere else. So that means you can play one less Canadian receiver if you want to. You can play one less Canadian, whatever it is, lineman. And so uh, that's, that's massive. And I think Toronto probably looked at Winnipeg these last few years, Winnipeg winning these great cups and and sort of look at how they've done things and having three Canadian running backs on their depth chart. So even when Harris went down, uh, you know, that you've got Oliviera right there who can step in and, and there's very little drop off. And Toronto probably looked at that and like, we, we want that. And so part of the motivation in getting Harris, maybe all along they were looking at getting a Canadian running back to uh, to, to back up and out of a boy is perfect for that yeah so, I, I, yeah. I love that pick I, I love I love the value of the pick I love the mid-round of it um, it it checks a couple of boxes for me I love when teams look at champions and then try and do what they do I find so rarely in sports you're like they're winning how do they do it and then you're like oh let's try that so I love that idea I love looking at teams that are really successful and you know, trying to emulate what is what you can. Some some things you can't you can't 
you know, you can't be Mike O'Shea, right? But you can look at how they are stacking their team or where they're putting the Canadians. And so I agree with you. I love the idea of you got Harris and they talked about it on the broadcast and you, you teach him the ropes and he can see how it's done. Um, I think it makes perfect sense. The signing of Harris and the drafting um, works really well together. And I love, you know, that this is um, uh, a decision that, that's really going to impact the team this year. I think that I'm really happy that they chose somebody who's going to contribute this year. I, I'm, um, you know, I think again, this is, you know, we're, we're all in here and, you know, they didn't pick a long shot or somebody who's really going to kind of um, be buried on the depth chart. Uh, I, I, uh, I love the pick, you know, I, I think, I think at that, at that place, uh, a plus for me. And you got to love that he had 28 bench press reps, <laughs> the most in the entire combine Maybe as a 218 pound line. running back. He could, he's super strong. He's ridiculously strong. Uh, you know, we coached against him when he was playing at, at Northern and he ended up transferring uh, for uh, the end of high school uh, to the Hill High School in, in Pennsylvania. Um, ended up with Bryant University. I, I think he was the first player they signed with that draft class. So, you know, there was high interest in him. And then he ended up being an all NEC running back, uh, just a, a super hard worker, smart football player, too. You can see the desire to get better when you watch him over every single year. There's something that he's doing differently. There's a different level of focus. There's still some things he needs to work on, but there's nothing glaring. And these are things like they said on the broadcast that that he can learn from Andrew Harris. Like, so... Pass protection, for one, that's something that he's going to get better at as right. it goes. Of course. That, I mean, that's the biggest thing for rookie running backs, right? It's what keeps them, it's what keeps them off the field most times for year one. Um, but what I also love is anytime you can get the first guy in a tier, right? I mean, if you can get like the, the best guard, okay? If you can get the best defensive lineman, if you can get the best running back in the draft, I think when you can take the best in a position, uh, that is also something that uh, I think you can't go wrong with as a philosophy. Yeah, and I'm excited to see him play. He'll be another uh, guy that I'm really excited yeah. to see at camp. And just to see, too, how he's improved since the fall season as well, because you know he's been working on that pass pro. He's been working on his hands. But he's so much fun to watch in space because he's so strong and, and really quick. He's got very good vision. I would like to see him carry the ball a bit more securely. You watch his film. He does sometimes swing his arm out. And that, that you know, as as a coach, that, that drives me up the wall. So I'd like to see that get fixed a little bit. But these are just all nitpicky things that we can iron out in, in, a, in a matter of matter of a few weeks. And so I'm sure that's the hope. It's an A plus from me. Uh, I, you know, this was a must for me. And how about that? Through two rounds of the draft, JV, the best run blocking offensive lineman in the draft, the best defensive lineman in the draft, and the best running back in the draft. <laughs> I know. And, and I know that, you know, we love the Kassar draft and it starts to feel like, I don't know, you know, like fandom here. Um, uh, you know, I was more than willing to come out and be like, no, but look that crew crushes it they crush the draft there's no two ways about it they they you know they they have a strategy it makes sense they don't think they're smarter than everybody um 
you know, they, they, they pick good players, they get good value. You know, it's great. It's so nice to cheer for a team that doesn't have people making decisions that don't make any sense. And I'd, I would argue that we don't cheerlead at the draft as well, because even though we did like some picks, like we didn't really like the early Churchill pick at the time. We didn't really understand that pick. It didn't really make sense to us. We didn't really like Nicastro initially at the time. It worked out really well. We were obviously wrong. But, you know, we don't have a record over the last few years of just sitting there saying, yeah, what a great pick. Uh, although I, every I, time. I think we liked Nicastro more than Churchill. I might be uh, I might be making that up. Well, I liked Nicastro. We, the good thing about Nicastro is once we sort of kind of looked at him as a center, because I did have him graded as my, he was my top center, but I was kind of looking at him at him as a guard. I wasn't thinking of him as a center. So I had him as a fourth rounder, but I did put in my notes, best center in the draft. But I wasn't thinking he would be a CFL center. I was thinking he was going to be a CFL no, guard. Anyway, so. so it's good. Look, it's great. I'm 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 happy to be positive with this. It's late at night and I'm happy to be <laughs> uh in a good mood about it and not banging my head against the table. Yeah, agreed. So let's move on. Uh, the fourth pick, uh, uh, Enoch Penny Larea, linebacker out of McMaster. I really like this one. <laughs> this one too. This could be a lot of. There's a few picks I, I have questions about. This isn't one of them. So he was my 22nd ranked uh, player on my board, and to be able to, you know, for again, just thinking about this in context, for the fourth player you're taking to get somebody that that you've got you know, on my board as, as, as 22, it's probably higher on their board. He's a tremendous athlete. Uh, you know, he projects as a, as a will linebacker, uh, but he could, he's got the speed to play Sam. If he, if he can get better in coverage, you know, he sometimes would get a little bit lost uh, in zone coverage. He watches his Mac tape. He wasn't, you can see the athleticism there, but there were certainly plays where you're like, I, I don't know what's going on quite here. He's 5'10", 217. You'd like him to be maybe a little bit heavier if he's going to play that Will spot, but that would be perfect for the Sam spot. I'm interested to see what they do with him. Uh, you know what was interesting on the broadcast too was, um, you know, not to get all Coach Jonesy all the time, um, but I thought his, his you know, kind of quick reference to how the hash mark change is really going to impact um, we, what you do at will. I think, I think that's a highly underrated um, factor this season and, and in this draft. Yeah, for sure. And it, it affects a few positions. Will, it affects a lot. Field corner, it affects a lot. And the Z receiver, it affects a lot. So... Yeah, was and you know probably boundary halfback or sorry, yeah, field halfback as well. But yeah, this you know having an athlete like this and 20, here's another guy, twenty seven reps on the bench, and he also runs a four five just yeah. on those numbers well, alone. Nice, nice measurables. You know, yeah, for your fourth pick. So yeah, just bring him in and see if see if he can learn. Uh, you've got a a great group to teach him to take you know to have Enoch Mwamba take a guy like that under his wing and say all right let's you know here let's let's go through some stuff kid let's let's see what we can teach you um yeah I I like that pick a lot I'm giving it a B in the end just because there's a lot of unknown it's he's an unproven player you can see the athleticism there Uh, it's not a guarantee though and sure it's fourth pick but um you know we're still in the third round so that's a B for me yeah I'm saying with me like third round you're still you know you look historically um, you're still finding guys who contribute in the third. It it drops off pretty sharply after the third, in terms of picking players who who become real contributors to, for any team. Um, 
I, I agree too. I mean, I give it a B. Um, you know, like I don't, I don't know a ton about him because I, you know, to be honest, my eyes glazed over a little bit after the first two rounds in terms of people we were interested in. Um, but you look at his measurables; uh, they're nice. You know, like I think that's a nice addition to the room, and uh, you you could see that being a position that we could do with another person. Um, you know, they didn't waste a pick on a wide receiver or. Um, you know, another defensive lineman who's not going to get any reps. So, you know, I pick makes sense. Measurables look good. His highlights look decent. You know, why not? Round four was upsetting for me because round four began with Edmonton and then Ottawa taking two players that I had really high on my board who had slipped down. Gavin Cobb, receiver out of Manitoba. I loved watching Gavin Cobb at the at the combine. His tape's good too. He's a little small, but uh, yeah, he's he's a heck of a player. And uh, Daniel Valente, the uh, the defensive back from Western, I, I felt like I was one of the few guys that really liked him. I had him ranked as my thirteenth uh, favorite player in this draft. He's a little small and needs to gain a bit of weight as well. But those two guys went, and I was really hoping that the Argos would be able to pick up one of those guys with the thirty fifth pick overall. Um, in that fourth round. They end up going with Braden Knoll, uh, offensive lineman uh, out of uh, Wilfrid Laurier, 6'4", 298. Here's here's the deal with Knoll. Uh, He can basically play anywhere along the line. He projects best as an interior guy in the CFL. But I like linemen at this stage, you know, again, fourth round guy that can play really any spot. He's fast. He's strong. He he crushes guys. Love seeing him pull um, and just absolutely flatten people. He's got a bit of that mean streak thing. Not the same way. You know, he's not to the the degree that McKellar seems to want to tear people to pieces on every play. It's not quite that. But yeah, he's got a little bit of a nasty side, too. So, yeah, for a fourth round pick. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, they, I mean, we we got caught in a bit of a DB run, um, and that happens sometimes. You know, sometimes you you just get caught at the end of a run. Um, so, you know, I, I think if we could have added, um, you know, another Canadian safety, um, that would have been terrific. But hey, you're never you're never going to have to sell me on picking an offensive lineman. So I am going to also give that a B. Yeah, I'm going with the B plus with that pick. I just think it's, you know, again, a good program that produces a lot of really good CFL talent. Um, his measurables are good. His, you know, his numbers are great. You watch his film and it's solid and he's got that flexibility. So, yeah, that's a that's a B plus for me. Moving on to. <laughs> oh, listen, oh, are we going to talk? Well, one of my favorite things is round five. <laughs> Did you see what happened at the end of round five? I don't know if I know what you're talking about. Uh, well, because everybody loved uh, Beeksma to Winnipeg. Oh, right. And I, there's no chance O'Shea wasn't sitting there going, okay, here we go. My long lost son. Yeah. I didn't even think about that as it happened. We talked about that last week where, where Beeksma was going to end up in, in Winnipeg for sure. It just seemed like (laughs) destined. There's no chance Hamilton didn't pick him entirely out of spite. It's true. You know, how he lost back to back. I love Hamilton. That is, that is petty, petty goodness. (laughs) That's true. Um, <laughs> the I hadn't thought about that DB run. You're, you're right. I'm looking back through it. All these guys I loved at you know to project as a safety, and they all got taken right before the Argos pick there. But they made up for it later. We'll we'll get to that in a couple of minutes. So round five, um, they end up taking uh, Daniel Kwamu with the 44th overall pick, linebacker out of UBC, six uh, one. 
215. Uh, he had an amazing Western combine showing. Uh, and then I believe, I believe he suffered an injury. I'm not sure on this. And so, you know, don't quote me on that. I think he suffered an injury during this past season. He was only able to play a few games. And then I believe he was injured again after the combine. I don't know if it was, you know, training injury or what. I don't even know for sure that he was injured. I just think that is what happened. But at the Western Combine, uh, his his numbers were fantastic. He ran a ran a solid four nine, thirty uh, three inch vertical, uh, seven point two seven on the three cone, um, and you know for a, a a middle linebacker type, you know six feet two twenty one. Uh, I really like how he moves. There are a few problems I have with him on film. Uh, sometimes his pursuit angles uh, aren't there, uh, where he's just kind of misjudges things. Um, and hesitates sometimes too. I really had some issues with his goal line play where he just, instead of attacking where you have to, when the ball is that close, you just sort of wait to try and see the play develop. And, and, you know, you just, you can't do that in certain situations. But aside from those little things for the stage that we're talking about here, the sixth pick fifth round. Um, yeah, I think this is a really interesting guy to take a look at and we'll, you know, hopefully he's, he's healthy and can show the Argos what he has uh, in, in camp, because I, I think that, I think there's some real potential there. So at this stage of the game, that's a B plus for me. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I mean, I, you know, at this point, I would only basically sort of not like picks as opposed to like it. I think, you know, his his measurables look good. Um, he's has the potential to be a contributor on special teams. I'm all for building up the special teams. Uh, I don't think he's going to push, um, you know, the linebacker room. Um but you know, it, it's an interesting. It's that's an interesting position. It's it's a little unsettled. Might be the most unsettled position on the team. Um, you know, I, in terms of looking at who, who who are the you know who are the four best linebackers on the team, I'm not so sure we we know who the four are or if the four are enough. So it's interesting to have a little competition in that room. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the fact they drafted two linebackers is, you know, suggests that that's an area that they felt like there's still, still room to, to kind of move around a little bit. You know, the fact that they didn't have any interest in wide receivers uh, makes sense to me that that room is jam packed as we saw, um, two packed. And you can, you can stack linebackers you know in terms of guys you're dressing like you, you always have a ton of like will linebackers especially yeah, because no, those are your special teams I think, guys i think some depth there makes sense and you know we'll, we'll see like again i think it's it is an area i have some questions about when we get into camp maybe maybe the, like i said maybe the, the most questions do you have a grade on that one yeah I, I think a, i think a b is fine there i mean i don't want to be too boring about this but you know i i i <laughs> I, I can't I can't give it more than a B, but you know, um, I I like it. I like the position. It was it wasn't a mistake positionally from my perspective. So I think it's I think it's good. We move on to round six, the seventh pick for the Argos. This to me was the steal of the draft. So they drafted Eric Sutton, defensive back out of Texas State. Not a big guy, five nine, one seventy five. I absolutely love this pick i he was one of the guys that i had highlighted i've been talking about him i talked about him on on this show and every podcast that would let me talk about him i i talked about him here's what i like about him so yes he's undersized however he played four seasons at smu first of all 
And he was playing in those first few years at 155, and he was still playing elite football. He does not miss a tackle. He crushes it on special teams. Uh, he's super fast, and he's been able to maintain that speed, even though he's gained a lot of weight. Uh, weighing in at 175 uh, for his pro day, uh, still super fast, and he's played everywhere on the defense. So you could put him anywhere. Now, I'm thinking of him as a Sam, but if you wanted to stick with that idea of having three guys can, you know, competing for the safety spot, he can play there too because he's, you know, he's played safety, he's played nickel corner, he's played corner. Anywhere you want to play him, you can. But yeah, for me, he, he's got Sam written all over him, but I would be perfectly fine uh, with him at, at safety. And his dad played for the Rough Riders. He was, he was born in Regina. That's sort of his story. And Yeah, I, I like it. I like it too. I mean, I know he is... He, he is lighter, but I think that that's a way that a number of teams, even in the NFL, are heading, um, you know, where you're you're looking at guys who are pure cover guys and and not necessarily like in a cover two mode where they're, you know, they're 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 there for run support. You, you know, you bring him in to to cover pure speed. So, uh, you know, I think that's good. I think, again, I'm all for drafting guys in the later rounds who have one elite skill. And, you know, I think his speed is absolutely elite. And, you know, so like that, that was my, that was my request and request fulfilled. So I'm going to give it an A. It's an A plus for me because to draft, to draft a guy in the sixth round that is definitely going to make the team, that's, that's an A plus. So yeah, A plus, well done. Seventh round. 62nd pick overall. I was kind of struggling at this point, looking up and down my draft board. The picks were coming so fast and furious. I was having trouble keeping up and I kept missing guys that I thought were still available. The Argos end up drafting Chase Arsenault, a tight end from McMaster. And it does seem funny to sort of see tight end on there. But this, Hamilton, this is this is when you draft your tight ends, Hamilton Tiger Cats, for, for future reference, because it's a position we don't typically use in the CFL. But this is going to be sort of that fullback, uh, H-back hybrid role that he's going for. Chase Arsenault is 6'4", 237. A little bit of a, an older player uh, like some of the other guys that the Argos have drafted coming into camp. Uh, he is, I think, 24, I believe, turning 25 this year. I think that's right. And if he makes the roster, it's going to be as a blocker. Uh, he is fast for his size, changes direction really well. Needs to improve his route running, though, just if you're looking at him as a receiver. I don't think the Argos are. You know, they don't typically like to target their sort of fullback hybrids uh, as much to my chagrin because they're, they're always wide open, but they just don't throw the ball that way much. So it's just going to be as a blocker. If he comes into camp and can really show something sort of as a fullback in a fullback role, then he'll make the squad. And if not, um, you know, maybe he can catch on somewhere else. So, you know, I, I don't know what you're really looking for at this point in the draft. I, I'm going to say a B plus just because I didn't really know what else to do with it, but it also didn't blow me away. Yeah, no, I, I, I you know, I'm going to go back to my to my B. I, I didn't give just to jump back to the previous round. I didn't give an A plus because I it is interesting. I think it's interesting that Dalkey went right after last round because I had my I liked him as well. So that's so it's interesting to see you know, who's better between those two guys when they're back to back. But uh, no, I, I think, I think a B is fine there. Um, he, he doesn't really have anything that jumps out. Um, you know, it, it doesn't seem, um, 
you know, like it wasn't a wide receiver, you know, re- wide receiver per se, you know, wasn't, wasn't, wasn't somebody who, um, you know, wasn't a kicker, I guess, you know, like I didn't feel it was a redundancy. So I, I'm going to give that a B. And in round eight with the last pick, their ninth player, I know when I was on the fan cast a couple of days ago, they were asking, is there any chance the Argos take John Mechie here just because, you know, they've got his brother on the team. Is there any chance that with that pick? Because that's that's where you do it. If you're going to do something like that, you know, I, I still think it's weird that Lucetta was taken in the second round uh, by Ottawa. That's just it's so high for me for a guy that I guess they figured that picks found money. I guess so, as right. a as a regional or territorial yeah. pick. Yeah, yeah I, I guess. But yeah, to me, I just I think this is the round you do it in. The Argos did not go that route. They end up taking Michael Pizzuto, defensive lineman uh, out of Ottawa. He's six three, two sixty. He's a good player, um, and I think they're just gonna see if they, you know, basically got, you know won the lottery on it because. Anything that turns anyone that turns into anything in that last round of the draft is a huge win. So he was a U Sports East West uh, Bowl selection. So you know you're dealing with a level of talent. His play is good. It's consistent. Uh, you know, not numbers that blow you away, but yeah, he, he's a good player. So bring him into camp, see what he can do, and yeah, if if he's able to do anything at all, then it's a huge win as an eighth round draft pick, ninth player that you've selected overall. Yeah, I I mean the Mechie obviously is, yeah. <laughs> although I think you and I both uh, enjoyed his. Uh, uh, he doesn't seem like like um, like he's necessarily super happy currently. Um, uh, so I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I'm not sure who he thought he was going to end up with. But, I mean, that's just, you know, that's just throwing away a pick. I mean, he is never playing in the CFL. He, he's a lion, right, Detroit? Yeah. Imagine, yeah, he, he is that's never right. playing yeah, he, in the CFL. Not tomorrow, not next year, not 10 years from now. You know, so I don't know why. I'd, I mean, I'm all for lottery tickets, but that's not a lottery ticket. That's just a piece of paper you found on the floor. So that piece of paper is not going to win. So you are in favor of taking Michael Pizzuto over John Mechie? <laughs> well, I think, yeah. I mean, I think if you, you know, you put them head to head, you got to go Pizzuto every time. <laughs> That's right. Well, I, uh, I'm pick- for lottery tickets. I'm not for picking pieces of paper up the floor and hoping it wins. The pick's an A for me just because to find a guy in the last round who was invited to an East-West Bowl, that's 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 great. You just you found you found a potential diamond in the rough. So uh, I'm going to give that pick a C because <laughs> what, what, what I could they have done better? I will see him play for the Argos. Uh, we're making puns now, are we? <laughs> well, one of us are. <laughs> All right. So draft grade overall, um, you know, for me, I, you got to weigh the the first three picks the most heavily. That's really where the draft is going to be made. Maybe you include uh, Enoch Penny Larea in there as well. But you know, for me, this is an A draft. I think they they nailed it. They absolutely nailed those those first three picks and we can nitpick all we like but to end up if you'd said before the draft you give me those three players we come away with with Deontay Knight Daniel Adebaboye and Gregor McKellar would you be happy with that draft and I would, I would run with that 100% I, I I give that an A as well I, I like all three like I said I think that other classes have higher ceilings but I think all three of these are going to play in the league for five years um 
I think it's a it's it's a great championship team draft. You didn't you didn't need to take huge swings. Uh, you have a good roster. You're just looking to to add talent. Loved it. Loved you know. Look, I'm I I didn't think it was you know. I don't think it is fluke. I think that you know. Look, I think that brain trust that is running the Argos knows what the hell they're doing, and it's a pleasure to watch them. I'm excited to see Hoagie's piece that he'll put out. I don't know if it'll be tomorrow or the next day, but he's done this for a few years now where he's sort of talked through what was going on in the room. I want to know how much celebrating was going on after that second round. I just, I think, I, I think they're going to be over the moon. So I can't wait to see that piece come out. Well, that will just about do it for us on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. If you have not yet done so, please subscribe. Please rate, leave a review, help other Argos fans find us as we get closer and closer to the start of the 2022 CFL season. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long, and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. <laughs>